Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, October 29th, 2017, on the basis of Romans 3, verses 27 and 28. In 1515, there was this list that was compiled. The list consisted of the names and short biographies of 101 different professors at three separate universities in Germany. The purpose of this list was simply to advertise to people what an excellent education they would receive if they came to any one of these three universities and sat at the feet of any of these distinguished and learned men. That list, compiled in 1515, is not remembered because of any of the 100 names that was on it, but rather because of one notable name that was not. See, even though that list was rather lengthy, it wasn't a top five or a top ten list, but 101 different names, even though the list was quite long, and even though none of those three institutions was among the premier universities in Germany at the time, still apparently the professor of biblical theology at the Wittenberg University was not able to make the cut, did not appear on the list. You've maybe heard his name before. The man's name was Martin Luther. 1515, you fast forward 502 years, fast forward to today, and things have certainly changed for that professor of biblical theology from Wittenberg. In fact, just a couple of years ago, another list was published. U.S. News and World Report listed the most important events that had happened in the entire world during the entire last millennium. And the Reformation this event that is synonymous with, almost interchangeable with the name Martin Luther appeared second on the list, right ahead of Christopher Columbus's discovery of the new world. Why is the Reformation so important? Why is a name like Martin Luther worth remembering? I'm hoping that you walk out today with maybe a little bit of an idea of the answer to that question, but, but almost accidentally, almost as sort of a, a side byproduct of our much more direct pursuit of a much more significant question. And that question is this. What makes any life worth remembering? What gives any life significance? You might not have any idea, any notion of becoming as famous or as well-known as Martin Luther has become, and yet I do know this, that God has created us to sense that we were made for great things, that our lives ought to have significance and importance and purpose. And so you might not have any notion of, of appearing on a list that names the most important people of the next thousand years of the world's existence. And yet, think about this. If your wife made a list of the best, kindest, most caring and loving husbands that she knows, I'm guessing you'd want to be on that list, right? If your children made a list of the best parents that they know, you'd probably want to be on that list. Maybe the list that you want to be on is your teacher's list of best students or your employer's list of best employees or simply your peer's list of most admired and respected peers. 
whatever list, real or imaginary, that we might think we want to be on, the big idea that we're talking about today maybe seems a bit counterproductive. This idea that in Latin is phrased, soli Deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. If we sense that our lives were created for big things, for purpose and significance, then maybe giving all glory to God seems like the opposite of what we want to do. And yet as we turn our attention to these verses from Romans today, which really wrap up this entire section of the book that we've been looking at during the month of October, we're going to see this. We're going to see that freely giving all glory to God actually gives us more, brings us more than any of our desperate grasping for glory ever could. We're going to see that giving all glory to God is in fact a gift. And it is a gift in two ways. First of all, it is a gift because God is the one who accomplishes it in us. And secondly, because we are the ones who benefit from it. So like I said, these these verses that are in front of us sort of wrap up and conclude this entire section of Romans that we have been looking at. And at the beginning of these verses, right at the beginning of verse 27, Paul asks a question that is sort of a test. It's his way of gauging whether or not we are grasping what he has been saying. He asks, where is boasting? Where are you going to find your glory, your source of significance, and importance. What is it that makes a life worth remembering? That's a test because Paul knows that it is our natural human tendency to look for those things in ourselves, in who we are and what we do. In other words, to boast. Maybe we boast in our accomplishments. Straight A student, employee of the month. Maybe we boast in our relationships, loving wife, best mom ever. Maybe we boast in our physical appearance or our material possessions. Maybe we boast in our moral fortitude or our open-minded and inclusive spirit. Whatever we boast in, if we are boasting about anything, Paul says that we have failed the test. Because based on everything that he said leading up to that question, he draws the conclusion boasting is Excluded. If we get what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 3, then boasting is excluded. And note the way that he uses that language very carefully. Paul doesn't command us to stop boasting. He doesn't say, if you look at your life and realize that you're boasting about a lot of things, just cut it out and knock it off. He doesn't put the responsibility for giving all glory to God on us. If he did, then inevitably we would simply end up boasting about how good we are at not boasting. Paul doesn't say exclude boasting. He says boasting is excluded. Someone else does it. Giving all glory to God is not something that we produce inside of ourselves, but something that God does for us. How? Well, it's simply the natural result of everything that we've been talking about since the beginning of the month, everything that Paul talks about in this section from Romans chapter 3. Way back on the first Sunday in October, we talked about how God speaks, how the answers to life's most important questions do not and cannot come from inside of any of us, but must come from outside of all of us. They must be revealed to us by God. And so even as we sit here and we confidently claim that we have those answers, that we have the truth, it's 
absolutely no reason to boast. God gets all the glory, all the credit for that. We talked about how God works and how God gives. That our standing before God and our eternal destination cannot be secured in any way by anything that we would do for God or anything we would give to God. They rather come because God himself has given his son and because Jesus has done all the work that is required. And so even as we sit here and we confidently claim that we know where we stand with God and we know where we're spending eternity, that's no reason to boast. God gets all the glory for that. Last week we talked about how God still sends Jesus to be with us and bless us as we gather here in God's house, as we hear his word, as people are baptized and as all of us remember our baptisms, as we come to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. Even in those things, we have no reason to boast. Those are not things we are doing for God. Those are things God is doing for us to bless us. And so God gets all the glory for that too. Giving all glory to God is a gift. First of all, because it is something that God himself works in us, not something that we produce for ourselves. Now, maybe you'd think that someone who gained all of the fame and all of the notoriety that Luther did, someone who would eventually be named one of the most important figures of the last millennium, would let all of that fame go to his head and lose sight of this fact. Thankfully, he didn't. Right before he died, one of the most famous things that Luther ever said is he said this, We are all beggars. This is true. What did Luther think of himself? He said, We are all beggars. We come to God completely empty-handed. We bring nothing to the table as we approach God. Everything we have and everything we are, all the glory for that goes to him. But what about that glory that we are created to crave? This sense that we have, that we were made for lives of importance and significance. Well, thankfully, giving all glory to God is a gift in a, a second very important way. Not only because it is God himself who accomplishes it in us, but also because we are the ones who benefit from it. If we spend our lives boasting, scratching and clawing for glory and significance and recognition for ever, wherever we can find it, this is what we are destined for. Option number one. We look around and we see all kinds of people who have what we want, who have achieved what we are after. We've become filled with jealousy and envy toward them. We become filled with bitterness toward life at whatever circumstances we identify as the reason for why we haven't achieved what they have achieved. Option number two, we look around and we see all kinds of people who don't have what we have who in fact are not going after what we are going after because their source of significance is maybe the exact opposite of ours. And so then we are filled with condescension and anger. We criticize and even ridicule their source for significance in their life as a way of protecting and defending our own. Or option three, the most terrifying one of all, the one that should give us nightmares to think about that we get everything that we want. We achieve every accomplishment. 
We're surrounded by all the right people. We look and we live and we act exactly how we want to. And then we face the inevitable and devastating disappointment of realizing that those things are not all they have cracked up to be. That they cannot deliver what we have trusted them for. There's a, a psychiatrist by the name of Paul Meyer who wrote a book about happiness. And he said, I have millionaire businessmen come into my office. They tell me that they have big houses, they have yachts, they have condos in Colorado, they have nice-looking children, they have beautiful mistresses and unsuspecting wives, they have secure corporate positions, and they come into my office as a last resort, desperate for me to help them overcome their urge to take their own lives. Friends, our sense that we were created for big and important things is not incorrect. But it's our pursuit of those things in who we are, what we do, and what we have that is tragically misguided. In contrast, do you give all glory to God and do you realize what happens? Paul says that boasting is excluded. Boasting is eliminated from the equation because God wants to replace it with something else, something better. Paul says this, we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Back to that main idea that is at the center of these verses, at the center of the entire book of Romans. It was at the center of the Reformation and it's still at the heart and core of it all today. The righteousness of of God, God's approval, God's unconditional, unwavering, full, final, formal approval of us. How do we get that? Paul says, you give all glory to God. And again, remembering that that's something that God has worked in you. You give all glory to God and that is what you get. That is the gift that God gives to you, his righteousness. And not only is that the best gift of all, but that gift comes with secondary gifts. That gift comes with a spot in heaven. That gift comes with a life of significance and purpose, not just for the 80 years that we walk this globe, but for all eternity. It never ends. That gift comes with absolute freedom from fear and guilt. That gift comes with unrivaled, unparalleled joy, hope, and peace as we go through this life. Giving all glory to God is a gift because we are actually the ones who benefit from it most. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Seems like a little bit of a contradiction. Luther was able to capture the essence of that contradiction when he wrote this. He said, it is God's nature to make something out of nothing. Hence, one who is not yet nothing out of him, God cannot make anything. In other words, yes, you approach God as a beggar. Nothing in your hands. You bring nothing to the table to lay before God. But the good news about that is that a table that is completely bare is a table that is perfectly set for God to do exactly what he does best. To spread on that table a full feast of his best blessings. For God to take nothing and turn it into something. In fact, turn it into everything.
giving all glory to God is, is a gift to us. We are the ones who benefit from it. 500 years after the fact, that's still kind of what it's all about. That's what Martin Luther and the other reformers so beautifully reclaimed, captured, and clarified for Christ church on earth. But what about moving forward? What about the next 500 years? Notice what Paul said. We maintain that a man is justified by faith. We maintain. We confess. We echo. We add our voice to God's decree. For the next 500 years, God will continue to speak. He will continue to give. He will continue to work. He will continue to send. What lays in front of us is to maintain, to confess, to add our voice to God's. In other words, for all of us beggars, to tell our fellow beggars in here and out there where the feast is to be found. I mean, finally, at the end of the day, who cares whether your name will appear on any one of those dozen real or hypothetical lists that sometimes we get so caught up in? But for your spouse to have a spouse who gives all glory to God and helps her do the same. For your children to have parents who give all glory to God and help others do the same. For your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, your peers, to have a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, a peer, who gives all glory to God and helps them do the same. For your church to be full of people and to have a pastor who always gives all glory to God and whose mission is to help others do the same. Talk about a life well lived and a life worth remembering. Again, not so that we gain notoriety for ourselves, not so that we go down in history. I can almost guarantee you that won't happen. But with the earnest prayer that we and countless others would receive the gift of God's approval and all the secondary gifts that go with it. In other words, that our names would, in fact, end up on the one list that truly matters, his list. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.